0: Hello and welcome to Discover Solutions Feel Better, a podcast with Dr. Teresa Lewis, founder of Wake Psychological Health and Wellness in North Carolina. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to episode two, where we are focusing on awareness today, one of our six foundations of psychological health and wellness. How are you doing today, Natalie? And how is your awareness today?
1: (laughs) You know, now that you mention it, That's a really good question. I'm good. I'm feeling very self-aware, sometimes too self-aware, but I'm doing good. Thanks for asking.
0: Great, great. Well, I want to start off with a couple of definitions just to help us be clear about what we're talking about. So first, we have awareness, which in general is just the ability to perceive events, just to be cognizant and to know what is happening. For example, if you're looking out the window, you're aware of the sunlight. And then we have attention. So, in attention in psychology, is the concentration of your awareness on something to the exclusion of other things. Okay, so many people struggle with keeping their attention focused on what they want to focus on. So, for example, you might have your mind wander. Or you might be reading a passage and say, what did I just read? And you read it again. Someone could be talking to you and you might blank out because your mind goes elsewhere. Attention can just be fleeting. It could be very focused. You could have very good attention where you zero in on your work project and you're focused on it and you're excelling at that or playing basketball or tennis. So that's when your attention is present. You're present. You're fully alive. And we call that also like being in flow, when your attention, your mind, your body, your energy is all focused on a single point, and it's just flowing pretty effortlessly. And that's what we call flow.
1: Yeah, I read about that a lot in self-help books when they talk about being uninterrupted, where you're just able to work for hours at a time and you don't even realize time is passing because I don't feel like that ever happens to me. (laughs) Oh, no. Well, that's um,
0: something that you can develop, though. You know, you can develop the ability to get into flow. And the more that you practice that, then the easier it is to access it. The other thing that happens with attention is sometimes we think, if I multitask, right, Mm -hmm. if I do multiple things at one time, I can get more done. So I'm going to sit here and I'm going to talk on the phone. I'm going to type this email at the same time and I'm going to be checking on my schedule, Mm. right, all at the same time. So you think, okay, I'm getting a lot done. You're very busy. But we know, you know, studies have shown us and I think it's pretty well known now that multitasking is is a myth, right? Because what we're really doing is we're not, doing multiple things at one time, what our brain is doing is switching between each thing.
1: Oh, every second?
0: Yeah, so it's like we're switching and we're moving our attention from task to task and that takes more time. Mm -hmm. It takes more time for our brain to disengage from one, reengage in the other, and then back and forth, back and forth. Now, of course, if you're watching TV and folding the laundry, who cares?
1: Okay, so there are some cases where you would make a case that multitasking is fine.
0: Yes, yes, of course. Okay, because
1: I feel like that is good to know. That was a good example of watching TV and doing the laundry, or maybe doing a task where like wait time is involved, where you know you put something in the oven and then you have to wait 20 minutes before you can take it out. That kind of multitasking you fully endorse but the kind that is really requiring your attention in two areas at once is not effective you're saying
0: exactly and i think this applies to our relationships too even in in parenting you know if you are trying to get your work done at the same time as listening to your child right Mm. or listening to a family member or friend you might think you're listening, you might think, you know, you, yeah, you're hearing the words, but you're not really giving the full attention to either task, right? Right. And the work suffers and then the relationship in that moment isn't getting the the attention either.
1: Oh yeah. I feel very embarrassed when I kind of get caught like you said with my mind wandering and not really listening to what someone's saying to me. That's that's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, especially if they call you out, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you feel <laughs> Are you bad. you yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and if it's a child, that does not feel great.
0: Right, yeah. right. And you have to teach that to kids, too. So like with my kids, I let them know, okay, the device has to be closed and off, you know, during these certain times so that we can really focus on each other, right? Mm-hmm. Like family dinner or Even riding in the car, you know, I, for me, you know, I'm probably not the most popular on this, but when I pick up my kids from school, there's no devices. There's no, you know, my kids are teenagers. I have a teenager now and a son in college. And when we get in the car, they know they put their phone in their pocket. They just know because we're going to talk about the day. (laughs) Great. All right. So we have our two things. We have awareness and attention. And then not only is it like, Sometimes we are multitasking and dividing our attention because we think it's going to be useful. But also in our modern world, there's just so many things are competing for our attention and there's so much pressure to do so much. Like we're constantly bombarded with stimuli and responsibilities and, and complex interactions. And it just makes it hard for us to keep our attention On what's important
1: yes I see that a lot because we have like our to-do list for example is full of things that are urgent but not important right right and so when you
0: ask people when you settle down and you're in a quiet space and you ask them what's important right what's important to you Many times you get answers about relationships, right? About helping others, about fulfilling their dreams or goals. And the busyness of life often takes us away from our values and what we feel is most important. So that's where mindfulness comes in. And John Kabat-Zinn, he pretty much brought mindfulness into the modern world and in a secular way. And he defines it as, mindfulness is awareness that arises through paying attention on purpose in the present moment, non-judgmentally. So with that definition, you know, there's a lot of things in there, right? We have you know, using our attention in the present moment, which is key. So we're not focusing our attention on a past experience or planning for the future, but we're right here, right now. And we do so with non-judgment, right? And what I say is love, right? With love, kindness, compassion. For me, all of that is about love. So why would we want to do this? Well, let me tell you, first, mindfulness does promote well-being, right? We're able to savor the pleasures in life, worry less, and form meaningful connections with others. Have you practiced mindfulness, Natalie? Do you have an example of where you felt it's promoted well-being for you?
1: Now, I want to say yes to answer this question because I, from time to time, do journal and I feel like journaling might be a good exercise that is a gateway to mindfulness, maybe. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yes, I, I have found journaling to be extremely helpful in figuring out, you know, how I feel just by putting it into words.
0: Right, right. Yes, very good. And then more benefits, and you have promotes well-being, And it improves physical health. So there's a lot of studies on that in terms of mindfulness being able to relieve stress, lower blood pressure, um, reduce chronic pain, improve sleep, and, you know, alleviate some gut issues, gastrointestinal problems. Oh, really? Yes. And then finally, it also helps to improve mental health by reducing anxiety, alleviating some depression symptoms and improving couple and family conflict. Mm. And it's really become popular, right? You might see this a lot about mindfulness. We now, you know, us in the field, we we call it, you know, sometimes we call it mindfulness. Like everybody's out there promoting the mindfulness Mm -hmm. and teaching the mindfulness. And that's great because we want to get the word out, right? We want people to experience these benefits. And you want to have it accessible to as many people as possible. And you also want to have good information, right? You want to have good information from a source that is a practitioner and understands what mindfulness truly is and can guide you in ways that are helpful to you.
1: Yes. Like you said, it is top of mind right now a little bit in some circles. And so I bet you would be maybe concerned with making sure that people remembered that last um, part of the definition, right, and and remembered that it has to be done in love. Otherwise, you could maybe do more harm than good.
0: Yes, and, and thanks for bringing that back around because mindfulness is not awareness, simple just having awareness because us as human beings, we naturally have a negativity bias in our brains. And as the researchers and scientists have said, that it's kind of like a holdover from early times when we had to really be alert to our environment. We had to watch out for the animals that might come to get us, always scanning for some type of threat.
1: Mm.
0: And for many of us, that's not the case of our lives, right? We don't have to constantly be scanning for some type of threat. Mm-hmm. We're pretty sheltered in that way. But our brains have not evolved as quickly as our modern life has. And so we do kind of continually scan and we kind of have a negativity bias waiting for what's going to happen next or, oh no, when is the other shoe going to drop? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing can be a part of our consciousness. Yeah, And so, so important to use that non-judgmental piece of the definition to infuse love in what you're doing with yourself. And as you become aware of yourself, it's so important to befriend yourself, to bring kindness and friendliness together with your awareness. So let's talk about when you realize that you're not being mindful, right? We kind of call it automatic pilot.
1: Mm, okay. Okay.
0: And so like, for example, you're in a car and sometimes we can drive for miles and you're not really aware of what you're doing, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, you could just be on the freeway driving and the next thing you know, you missed your exit. In the same way, we might not really be present moment to moment for much of our lives. We can often just be miles away or drifting mindlessly without being aware of our state of mind. Mm -hmm. And the danger of that is that when we're on automatic pilot, when we're just kind of going through our days, getting through the days, going through our routines, just getting by, we're more likely to have our buttons pressed. You know, events around us, thoughts, feelings, sensations in the mind can trigger old habits and negative thinking that undermine our happiness.
1: So are you saying that when we operate in autopilot, we are more sensitive? Yes, because
0: things can appear to come out of left field.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, you're just kind of operating on automatic pilot, and then something could happen, like a car could cut right in front of you.
1: And you're and thrown then, off more than you and were you're
0: thrown them. off. Right. But if you were fully paying attention, maybe you would have seen that car coming. You know, you could be mm-hmm. slowing down, accommodating the entry of that car. But if you're just on automatic pilot, it might appear like, boom, it's in front of you. And you're like, ah, and slam on the brakes. And then maybe you might curse and be mad. So that's an example of the driving. I could give you an example of, working with my own mind. This was when my kids were younger and I was in the car, not driving, but I was in the car and I was on my phone like doing some emailing or something of the sort. And my son was in the back seat just making a lot of noise. Mm -hmm. Just making a lot of noise. Like kids do. Like kids do, yes. And he was, I don't know what he was doing, But he was doing bam 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 pow pow pow. I don't know what it was.
1: But it was boys are very
0: good at sound effects, I've found. (laughs) Yes. And I was just getting so annoyed because it was interfering with my concentration of whatever it was I was doing. And I could just feel the tension in my body rise. I could feel myself getting irritated. And I could feel my mind and my thoughts wanting to tell him to be quiet mm-hmm. to stop what he's doing
1: yes because you were kind of being forced to multitask when you didn't want to
0: yeah yeah so in that moment i think because of you know my practice i was able to catch myself you know pause you know breathe in deeply exhale and realize there is enough space for him here you know, he is having a good time. He's happy in his back seat. There's no need for me to squash that. There's plenty of space for him and for me, and it's okay.
1: That's amazing. So, that is truly using the power of your mind.
0: Right. And I've helped my clients with those practices as well. And all mindfulness techniques are a form of meditation. And there's many forms of meditation, there's many mindfulness techniques, but it's all about meditation because meditation is being present, focusing in and directing your attention, I say, with a kindness, with a sense of gentleness and and love. So right now, what I'd like to do is just go ahead and bring to your attention a moment now for us to do a mindfulness meditation. So take a moment now and become aware of your body. Notice where and how the body is being supported. Notice the weight of your body is supported by the chair or the bed or the earth. Notice any sensations internally and on the skin. Tune in to the temperature of your environment. Become aware of the general sensei experience of the body. No judgment, just noticing. Now take notice, how are you feeling right now focusing on the body? Are you tired, energized? Do you feel stressed, jittery, calm? How am I doing right now? Next, tune in to how am I feeling emotionally? What is the emotion telling you? Do you feel calm, peaceful, anxious, anger? Have a curiosity about that. See it, feel it, and it's okay. Honoring that we are human beings with an emotional experience and accepting what is there. Focus in now on what is going on in your mind right now. What is the quality of my thinking mind? Is it relaxed? Is it very busy? Do you have racing thoughts going around and around? Or do you have multiple thoughts popping up like popcorn? Or are they like waves, slow waves of the ocean? What types of thoughts? Are they present focused, past, future. Again, no judgment. Just tuning in to what is present. Take a nice deep inhale and a nice slow exhale. Do that a few times and relax into the quality of here I am, an ordinary human being. I have my physical experience and an emotional experience both of which includes pleasure and pain and everything in between. And I have a cognitive thinking experience. And it's all a completely normal experience of being human. I can relax with that and appreciate another moment of being alive here on the planet. Appreciate the whole thing And lessen the struggle with myself and bring kindness, friendliness, and love for my own being.
1: Awesome. That was really, really good.
0: Did you participate?
1: I did. (laughs) Yes.
0: And what was it like?
1: Well, I I feel like it's such a treat. I feel like lots of my thoughts were... About like you said, how I physically feel. So I lots of my thoughts are consumed with how my stomach feels or how my fingers feel or something like that. And then mm-hmm. lots of my thoughts were either cringing over the past or trying to chase back a thought where I was like, "Wait, I was sad about something. What was it?" And I can't remember, but I know I'm supposed to be sad about something.
0: Isn't it interesting how you had the thought, "I'm supposed to be sad,"
1: right? Yes, and I still can't remember what it was, but it was something that like I regretted or was cringing over and I was like trying to hunt it down.
0: Wow, isn't that, so that's the negativity bias right there, right? Mm, True. It's like I'm supposed to be sad. Well, no, there is no supposed to be. You, You know, you experience what you experience in the moment and that is what it is, right? Yeah. Okay, so I'd like to leave you with that and we will be... Coming in next time, I'm talking some more about mindfulness and some practices for that, as well as diving into our second foundation of psychological health and wellness. And we touched on this today, which is love and some practices for that as well. So be well and be you. Bye now. Thanks for listening to Discover Solutions Feel Better, a podcast with Dr. Teresa Lewis. For helpful resources and to check out the blog and show notes, go to wakepsychology.com.